0: 11.10. If I had to guess, Greg is running his marathon, by the way. Yes. And I would say, I don't know where he's going to be, but I'm going to say he's like in the, in the critical 18 to 20 mile pace or time. So we want to pray for him. Father, just strengthen Greg. Give him a, a courage, a strength to finish this out. Lord, let him let him just have a renewed energy as he gets to this last few miles. And uh Let he and Hannah and Dan complete this uh, journey successfully. We ask that in Jesus' name. So before I get into my message, I just have something to share. I didn't want to take away from Greg because Greg has been talking about this marathon for a long time. And I didn't want to get in the way, but someone else is training for a marathon. Come on. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So I started training last week. I ran across the parking lot once, hey, and next week, hold on, I'm going to run across the parking lot and come back again. It builds up every week. I will run my marathon in 2025 at the age of 73. It'll be amazing. I'll be talking a lot about it over the next uh, five years, six years. So be ready for that. All right. Welcome to the first message of our new series, Game Changers. You notice all the games up here, and, and it's pretty awesome. How God's Word is a win for everyone. We're going to be discussing this amazing, awesome, irrefutable, unimaginable, majestic Word of God. And I'll tell you, just preparing this message, I am excited about where we're going in the series it's our hope that when we're done this series that you and I will have this newfound love and desire for this amazing book we call the Bible. So we're using these games, and the first game we're using is right down here if you can't see it, and it is Hungry Hungry Hippos. See if you remember this if you want to win the game you gotta take a good aim and get the most marbles with your hippo playing hungry hungry hippos hey. hungry hungry hippos Hooray. hungry hungry hippos is the name of the game and whoever hippo gets the most marbles wins Got it. playing hungry hungry hippos hungry hungry hippos i win hungry hungry hippos from hasbro how many remember that commercial Ah, all the old ones. A couple of young ones, couple of young ones. But uh, yes, Hungry Hungry Hippos. A little known fact about this game, it was actually created in 1967, but it didn't become a game that was sold and could be bought until 1978. So, um... It's a cool game if you've ever played it. We have played it many times with our kids. Um, the next part of my message is very loosely tied to my message, but it's something that I wanted to share with you, and that is um, some interesting facts about hippos. Assuming there are any interesting facts about hippos. By the way, who can say hippopotamus backwards? Sumatapapia. All right, that's it. I mean, you don't make a pastor's role without having a lot of capabilities and talents. All right, hippos are large, semi-aquatic mammals with large barrel-shaped bodies, short legs, short tail, and an enormous head. They have grayish to muddy brown skin, which fades to a pale pink color underneath. How do they know that? Anyway, they are considered the second largest, largest land animal on earth, second only to? Wow, you guys are good. Males can range up to 11 and a half feet long, five feet tall, and can weigh up to 7,000 pounds. Put that in perspective, that is the weight of two midsize American cars. To stay cool in the blistering African heat, Hippos spend most of their days submerged in lakes and rivers. And so God could allow them to do that. He put their eyes, nose, and ears on the top of their head, which means they can breathe while submerged. Okay, now, come on. (laughs) Can't get any more interesting than this, right? Um, Hippos, actually, it can get more interesting. Here's the last fact. Hippos are most active at night, all right? And why? Because that's when they forage for food. And do you know what hippos eat? They eat grass. That's all they eat. They eat grass. But guess how much grass they eat? 77 pounds of grass. Now, think about it. If I handed you a clump of grass and put it in your hands, how much would it weigh? I mean, it doesn't weigh anything. If I give you a big ball, ball of it, it doesn't weigh much. 77 pounds of grass each hippo eats. Hence the name of the game, right? Hungry, hungry hippos. Now, you say, how in the world are you going to tie that into anything? Well, here it is. As Christians, we should be guzzling and foraging as well on something And I'm assuming you can imagine what that is. So with that in mind, we're going to look at the Bible today. And we're going to see what does the Bible say about sustaining this this life that is within us. As we find the truth of God's Word. So we'll start with uh, the Apostle Peter. 1 Peter 2. It says, like newborn babes, you should long for the pure milk of the Word. So that by it, you may be nurtured and grow in respect to salvation, its ultimate fulfillment, if in fact you have already tasted the goodness and gracious kindness of the Lord. See, the primary purpose of Scripture is to bring us to salvation. That is the ultimate goal of it. And then we nurture ourselves on the Word of God. For most of us, when we accepted Christ as our Savior, there was a wonderful moment at that time. And, and for many of us, not all of us, our lives really changed. And for me, I know that it felt like, you know, a thousand pounds came off my shoulders. I felt like I had hope. I felt like I hadn't messed up my life as much as I was feeling just prior to saying that prayer. This scripture tells us that if we'd experienced God's love and his goodness in our lives, and we should long for. We should long for this, this word of God. And let me, let me go over that. Long for is interesting. Um, in, in English, we don't have a lot of ways to explain certain emotions and certain things. Greek has a lot of them. So this word long for in the Greek means these things. Intensely crave possession lawfully or wrongfully. Okay, now, that's not God asking you to go out and do things wrong, but it it shows the depth of this desire. No matter how you get it, you're craving for it. Earnestly desire greatly long after and to lust for. Interesting, huh? To lust for all the kids were next door, so I knew I could get away with this today. Um, But this is what the Word of God says we should have as an attitude toward the Bible. So here's what, as I prepared this message, here's a question I had to ask myself. Ed, do you you feel this way about the Bible? And I have to tell you, in in many ways, no, I don't. This was a challenge to me. And I wanna challenge you too. You know, our desire, our love for the Word of God is, is given to us in scripture as being something that sustains our lives. And I'm determined, I'm in the word every day, but I've determined to, to not be in the, in the word every day in a rote way, but to try and really understand the passion that I'm to have in this area. It's important for you and I to answer that question. What I'm going to do is stop here for just a moment and let you participate with me. So many of us have either a favorite scripture or favorite scriptures. Does everybody have their mic that needs it? I got two people. You got one, and Dennis, come. On. Oh, you, you can come on up and get this one. So we're going to go to you if you raise your hand. Somebody please raise their hand. Otherwise, I'll be embarrassed. But if you have a favorite scripture, you can read it off your phone if you don't if you don't have it memorized. Uh, but Give us your favorite scripture, and just give us a brief explanation of why it's your favorite scripture, okay? Favorite scripture, who's got a hand up somewhere? Come on, come on. Oh, right here. We have Jan. So give us one of your favorite scriptures, Jan, and why. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, yes. and that has sustained me. Since the olden days in the 80s, that was my always my favorite, favorite scripture. All right. Great scripture, Jen. I can do all things through Christ. Who else? Back here. Back there. Dennis, you're the one that's going to run, apparently. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. This is from King James. That's how I learned it. Um, Let no care trouble you, but in all things, by prayer and supplication... With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And the reason I love that, same as Jan, um, let no care trouble you. I mean, don't we let a lot of things trouble us? But in all things, you pray and you thank God. With thanksgiving is a key thing for me because it's acknowledging that God is awesome supreme and able nothing's too hard for him amen. and that peace really does come when we do that so yeah. that's sustained me excellent for decades <laughs> yeah. amen yes i see the we have two more back there wow that's a good side i like matthew uh, six thirty-four. Uh, therefore do not worry about tomorrow tomorrow will worry about itself and um Focus on today, because today has enough troubles of its own. Um, And that's just brought me to where I need to just focus on today. I've got enough going on today. Tomorrow, we'll figure out tomorrow. God's going to take care of that. Oh, amen to that. That's that's a good one. In back of you, Dennis, there we go. Mr. Bryan. So it's really the entire book of Proverbs. (laughs) Oh, okay, we don't have time. I'll I'll read it all. (laughs) um, And the reason is uh, in Stated nicely and clearly in Proverbs 1, verses uh, 2 through 4. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These problems will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Amen. Good one. That's an excellent one. Anyone else? Right back there. We'll another one up here. Uh, first John. 1 9. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. So he's always forgiving. But even more than that, he cleanses us from unrighteousness and makes us holy for him. Amen. Good one. We have another one up here. Oh, Jesus did it. Look at that, huh? Confirmation over here. Hi, mine is uh, Joshua 1 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It's a great encouragement to be able to reach out to other people and do His work. Mm. Amen. I didn't. Mind. Okay, over here. Yes. Back there. Oh, over there. Yes. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to ignore this side. Um, mine is be still. Um, oh, now I forgot. <laughs> I'm sorry, Um, Be Still and Know That I Am God, and um, that's Psalms 146.10, and the reason why I chose that, or that came to me before, is because I couldn't sit down for five seconds, and it was um, the scripture that really honed me in to um, reading his word and knowing that he is God, I'm not God, and I can't Mm. fix anything, um, and that he is in the works of doing all these things. Amen. Amen. Good scripture. Somebody else? We've got another one back here. Colossians 2.13 You were dead because of your sins. It's in the past tense. He brought us to life. Amen. Good one. Good one over here. Uh, mine is Romans 8.38 I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor hmm. anything other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it's very much like what we're, you were talking about earlier with good, good fathers. There's nothing we can do or not do to ever separate us from the love of God. Amen to that. Thank God, too. Huh? I have one back there. John 3.16, and the reason I bring that one up, as a parent, I wonder if I would give my child for a friend or for whatever. God gave his only begotten son that we could have eternal life, Mm. and, you know, it's amazing what he did for us, and we just take it for granted, and I just want to say thank you, God, for everything you do for us. Amen, brother. One more. Okay, right there. I'm glad everybody has one. That's awesome. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. as working for the Lord, not for human masters. I know that whatever I do, whether it's school or work for my mom, chores for my mom, I don't have to do it for them. I can do it for God. Wow. Yes, come on. Give everybody a hand. I wish I was her age and knew that. I would have... That would have saved me a lot of grief. Trust me, Vivica, that would have saved me. 2 Timothy three, sixteen and 17. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. When you heard all those scriptures, all those scriptures were tied to something where God had made a promise to us. Something about that particular scripture for you was able to fulfill something, to show you something, to take you somewhere, to heal something. And and that's what God's word does. See, God uses the Bible, this, this single book that he wrote, to equip us. What does the scripture say? What for every good work, now listen, this is a pretty strong statement. Without a knowledge of God's word, you will not be able to do the good works that God has for you to do. You may do some with a little knowledge, but the knowledge of God's word opens to us how God works. And it gives us strength and courage and faith to carry out what God calls us to carry out. The song we sang, he calls us from the shores into the water, into the waves. And we are able to do that because we understand who God is. See, Jeremiah says this, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. God's desire for everyone here is to prosper you, not to not just financially. We think about that a lot of times when we think about prosperity. You've heard people say that before. But a prosperous life is a peaceful life. It's a life where we know where we're going. It's a life where we get up every day and we have a purpose. We have a reason. It's not a life that's free from, from issue or concerns. A prosperous life is when we know where we're going and we know how we're going and we're obedient to our Father who brings that peace, that joy, that love into our lives. The message version says this, there's nothing like the written word of God for showing you the way to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Every part of scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, and training us to live God's way. I don't use the message very often. And I know there are some that that, uh, almost think it's a sacrilege if you use the message. But let me tell you, Uh, Eugene Peterson wrote this version of the Bible because he was pastor of an inner city church. And the people there would never have understood the King James, the Amplified, or anything like that. He wanted to put it in a lingo that these individuals, many of them in desperate need for the word, would be able to read it and say, yeah, I get that. So there's sometimes, my wife has kind of been encouraging me to look at this more often, and it does, it, it does Concisely, it's not word for word, it's not a literal translation by any stretch, but it does give us some great insight. It says here that every part of scripture is God breathed and useful one way or another. Do we believe that? We have this book sitting around our house or on our phones or on our tablets. Every scripture is God breathed. So now I want to give you an example. Okay, I like examples, I think they they help us to see truth. I think Jesus used examples all the time in his parables. So we're going to use this example. Now, before we go to the next slide, don't click that yet. You are in a room. The room is 20 by 20. The door, one door, is locked and and bolted from the outside. You cannot get out. The room is totally void of anything except this. Sitting on the table in the middle of the room is a bomb. And the bomb is ticking. Okay? And you are going to do what when you see that? Freak out. That's what you're going to do. Okay? You're watching it go down, and you've watched enough movies that you have no idea how to disarm this bomb. So you're freaking out. You have no idea what to do when suddenly, in the corner of the room, in the shadows, you see something. So you go over to it, freaking out as you are. You pick it up, and there you go. How to defuse a bomb by Sean Raymond. So here's the deal. At that moment, you really, really love Sean. Seriously. He's one of your favorite people right now. So, tell me. You've got seven minutes, and it's, it's down to six now. Okay, Tell me what you're going to do with that book. Are you going to skim that book? You're going to devour that book. You are going to read that so carefully. Because why? Because it has wisdom in there that you don't have. You're going to know which wire to cut first. You're going to know how to disarm this bomb. In fact, you couldn't wait to open that book. And you read it word for word. Because you knew it could save your life you would get rid of all the freaky, freaking out, the, the worry, the fear, all that would go away. Oh, you love that book. You just love that book. So let's bring it, bring it in to the Bible. See, the Bible is a book just like this. It can save your life. And if you're born again, it has saved your life. It has so much wisdom that you don't have. So much, you wouldn't, see, it's not wisdom you already knew, it's new wisdom. You don't know how to disarm a bomb. But when you read, and everything give thanks because this is the will of Christ Jesus concerning you, that means what? In everything gives thanks because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Things that you would say, Ed, do you want me to give thanks for that? Yeah, because that's what the Bible says. I've learned that. I've learned the hard way what happens when you don't. You see, you can read the Bible and get rid of that, that freaking out and that worry and anxiety and fear. See, when you realize the wonder of this book, you want to not only read it, you want to study it. You want to guzzle it like those uh, hippos. So here's something that we, we think about a lot, or not think about. This is something we are very familiar with. So this will not be, you'll say, oh, yeah, we know that. Okay, Jesus, when tempted, answered the devil with? Yes. Okay, now, here's the deal Jesus was the Son of God. He could have just made the devil turn into dust if he wanted to. He could have blown him halfway across whatever desert he was in. He could have done anything. He didn't have to quote scripture. He was the word of God, made flesh to dwell among us. But Jesus used scripture. But guess who else used scripture? The devil. The devil quoted scripture. I'm going to tell you something. The devil quotes scripture to you. You don't realize it. But if you don't know how to come back at him, that's going to be a difficult situation. But Jesus knew how to come back on him. He said, it is written, okay? It is written. I love Genesis, uh, I love Genesis, period. But I love Genesis 3. So Genesis 3.1 talks about Satan, who's there in the garden, Adam and Eve And don't blame Eve a lot for this because Adam was right in back of her. Okay, he was right there. She turned around and said, hey, take a bite. All right, so he didn't intervene. But Satan comes up and asks her this question. This is what you'll hear a lot from the enemy. Did God really say? Did God really say? And sometimes the enemy plants seeds of thought in us that that's not working for you. That, you know, obviously you've claimed it doesn't work. You're dealing with this, that. So he says, did God really say? And what did Eve answer him? She answered him right. She said, yes, he did. But see, there's two things you have to do when you know scripture. One is you have to know it. You have to know what God says. But the second thing is you have to trust that what God said is for your best. And she didn't do that. She said, yeah, I know he said that. See, what she should have said at that, oh, I'm getting a call from my hair uh, salon. Okay, let me get rid of that. Okay. Yes, Satan, he did say that. And you can go to somewhere else, somewhere else. Because why? Because I trust in him. And if I'm not allowed to eat in that tree, there's a reason, there's a reason. You see, sometimes like, Like Eve, we know God's word, but we don't trust in God's word fully. The more word we have, the more we'll trust. God always has our best in mind. But can I also tell you another thing? Because I believe this wholeheartedly. God has your best in mind, but you know what he has more in mind? The kingdom of God. So God will allow you to go through some stuff in order to expand his kingdom. Because God knows this, if he expands his kingdom through you, that's good for you. But sometimes we think God, God is supposed to make everything in our lives work out so that it's, everything is really good. It does work out for good if we're called according to what? His purpose. His purpose. Doesn't mean God doesn't bless us and give us all kinds of great things. But sometimes God uses us for the, for the furtherment of his kingdom. Matthew 22, 29 says, Jesus replied, Your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. The message says, He answered, you're off base on two counts. You don't know your Bibles and you don't know how God works. See, in my life, when I found myself in trouble, it's definitely been one or both of those things. Either I don't know the scripture that I should know to apply to it, or if I do, there's that seed of doubt that says, God, are you really gonna come through for me? Matthew says it very clearly. Jesus said this. You, you are not knowing the scriptures in King James. Your mistake is you don't know the word. If you knew the word, you wouldn't do, say, and be sometimes what you say. You see, but let's flip that over because that's the negative part, right? That's the, hey, you know, I feel a little bit accused in that. No, here's the deal. When you know the word and you trust in God, you have an amazing life. Peace comes about regardless of your circumstances. It's awesome. God's plan for you and for me is to know His Word and to know how He works. Both of these are achieved by not reading God's Word, but by studying God's Word. Sometimes, I'm 68 I have have scriptures I've stood on for years about things. Sometimes they've been decades in being answered. You've got to get older to have that experience. In my 20s and 30s, I couldn't understand why God didn't just answer them right away. But as you go forward, you will realize that God always answers prayer. It just isn't always answered immediately. John 8, 32, and you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. The message says, then Jesus turned to the Jews who had claimed to believe in him. He said, if you stick with this, living out what I tell you, you are my disciples for sure. Then you will experience for yourselves the truth and the truth will free you. You see the truth, Jesus is the truth, not Paul Pierce. Okay, he's the truth. And you want to find out who he is? You read the Bible. That is the truth. That is how we know what are we to do? What are we to say? How are we to act? My business partner, Jack Hartman, uh, years ago started writing books and he wrote 20 of them. Uh, and they've been translated into so many different languages all over the world. His books have been shipped. And he named his, his ministry Lamplight Publications. Okay, Lamplight. And he took it from Psalm 119. 119. And it reads this way. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. By your words, I can see where I'm going. They throw a beam of light on my dark path. We all go through dark moments in our lives. Maybe it's relationships, maybe it's health, maybe it's finances, whatever it is. But the Bible is your light. It's what, you know, darkness is really bad. But you know what? A little candle wipes out darkness, right? But you make that room as dark as you can, and what happens to the candle? It gets brighter. It gets brighter. And see, God said, Ed, if you're in my word, I'm going to light your path so that when darkness from the enemies tries to come in, I'm going to light that up like a, like a brilliant light so that you can see your way through that. Romans ten seventeen says this. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith is not an inanimate thing. Faith is alive. Faith comes by hearing and understanding and knowing the Word of God. It comes. But guess what else? Faith also goes. Something that comes can go. And when it goes, it's because we are, we are weighed down by the things of this world or we're drawn away by prosperity or something. And we don't. We don't go to the word of God at times. And it's those times when we feel our faith shake. We feel our faith being shaken. If you want more faith about anything in your life, get more into God's word. It will always, always, always produce faith. Proverbs four twenty to 22 says this. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. I mean, how clear can the Bible be about the Bible? All right, we have this ability, this single book that God wrote. We now have it on tablets and on cell phones and, you know, all kinds of different ways we can get it. We don't have to carry a book around. Not that that's wrong, but it's so prevalent, so available. One book. And that's what God has called us not to read, but to study. Years ago, many years ago, my, my third child, my second daughter, um, I don't know how old she was at that point. She was 10. We were visiting Barb's uh, sister and her, uh, her brother-in-law, and my kids were playing out in the backyard and they had an Akita. We didn't know much about dogs. My kids love dogs. Colleen especially loved dogs. And we, you know, in fairness, we should have probably been told this dog isn't always the most friendly. Because my daughter Colleen will get right down in, you know, a dog's face. So we were inside talking to a family. And every parent's nightmare occurs. We hear this blood-curdling scream. Actually, all, all of our kids were there, all screaming you know, we ran outside. My son Ben comes up and says, dad, dad, Colleen was bitten by the dog. So we, Colleen's kind of in shock, but her whole face is just blood. Her neck is blood. It's coming down to her shirt. Oh, I'll tell you, you know, I know people have been through horrible things with their kids. More horrible than this, but that was pretty horrible. And we grabbed her. We we got a towel. We wrapped it around her face. I held her in the back seat. She was in kind of semi-shock, but I don't know what I would have done at that moment without the word of God. I don't know what I would have done without the ability to pray. I mean, it, it looked really bad. And so we, you know, as we're going there, I'm praying, I'm talking to her. We're, we're going over scripture. And, you know, my daughter was, was reasonably upbeat anyway. And, you know, she started to get some hope that this would be okay. And we get to the hospital. And, of course, they rush her in. And they have a doctor that's going to work on her because we know she's going to need many, many sutures, many stitches in her face. And thank God we, we had the presence of mind, which I give God credit for, to say, no, we want a plastic surgeon. And they kind of said, well, we, we don't, you know, he said, we don't care, you know, keep her stable, get a plastic surgeon. So they did. And if you met my daughter today, you would never be able to tell that she ever was attacked by a dog. She had 56 stitches to her face. But the thing that was really amazing that I just thank God for to this day. That doctor said, if one of those bites had been an eighth of an inch further, it would have punctured her jugular vein and we would have never been able to get her to the hospital in time. You know, thank God for the word of God. You know, I had people in my life that made me (laughs) study the word. Jack Hartman, my partner, you know, that that would, would keep me on track in that area. But when the chips are down, it's only Christ. It's only God. When, when the chips are really down, you'll find nothing matters. Your money doesn't matter. Your marriage doesn't matter. Your friends don't matter. Nothing matters if you're in a crisis. But what does matter is that you know who God is and you know what God said and you know what you can stand on. 2 Timothy 2.15 says this, work hard, so God can say to you, well done. Be a good workman, one who does not need to be ashamed when God examines your work. Know what his word says and means. Matthew twenty-four thirty-five. our last scripture says this, heaven and earth will disappear. That's true. But my words will never disappear. There'll be scripture in heaven on a stand, the word says. It'll never go away. I want to challenge us to come to a new level of love and desire for this book, to not read it rotely, but to study it. You, you know, you can go on Google and, cook, and click or type in Bible studies and you'll have 3,747,000 pages. We have no excuse and we don't want an excuse. But if we really believed if we really believe that God's word is not just a good word, it's, it's majestic, it it's transcends everything that we know about naturally, I believe that we would have this commitment and devotion. And, and I'm challenging myself in this way. I'm in the word every day, almost without fail. But that's not enough. I read it. I need to study it more. I need to really digest it more. I have a lot of scripture inside of me, but I could use a lot more. So I'm gonna challenge us this week, me too. This week I want everyone here to memorize one verse you don't know today. I want you to look up a verse, something to do. You can Google whatever it is in your life you wanna Google and it will give you 900 verses, but one verse. I want you to memorize it and know where it's at, okay? I want you to memorize one verse, is that okay? All right, five of you are going to do it. Okay, I'm going to challenge you. And if you do that, come up and see me next week. It's it sometimes a little hard because it's busy time. Send me an email. Tell me what your scripture is and what the verse reference is. And this is one of the few times I'll give you my email, uh, which is ed at shilohcommunity.church. Ed at shilohcommunity.church. Send it to me. Love to see which one you've picked and what you're learning. So let's pray. Father, oh God, if we could only grasp this book and what it can mean. And Lord, you, you said we have to rightly divide it because it's not written in a way that it goes topic by topic. It doesn't work that way. We have to study it and we have to dig things out. And Father, you've given us the internet and you've given us all these search capabilities. So if we want to know every scripture about you know, getting rid of fear, we can just type that in. And we get all these scriptures. We can type in scriptures on, you know, saving marriage, uh, scriptures on finances, scriptures on anything. Help us to rightly divide this word. Help us to learn those scriptures, to eat them, to, to guzzle them. Father, as we go through this series, I pray that there will become such a newfound respect, love, and desire for this amazing book. We know it's amazing, Lord, but, but increase our sense of amazing for this book. Help us all to rightly divide your word. Father, you hear that prayer, I know, and you will answer. We praise you today, Father, in Jesus, your holy, precious name. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, please come up. We'd love to pray with you. Otherwise, we wish you a blessed Sunday. Have a good day.